Hello and welcome to the State of Customer Service podcast. This week, we welcome back Ed Deason, the Head of Customer Service at Pret-a-Manger. And today we're doing a complete guide to customer journey mapping, the process of visualizing your customer's experience when they interact with your brand. Customer experience mapping can be used to identify and alleviate information silos, to tackle customer frictions, and to identify and reduce internal inefficiencies that are costing your business. If you like the episode, don't forget to subscribe. You can also read this one on the centersum.com website. And if you want to watch this episode instead go over to our youtube channel where we've even visualized some of the more complicated things that we talk about hope you enjoyed the episode if you do hit subscribe and please leave us a review to let us know how we did hi ed i'm really excited to be discussing and and hearing your thoughts and creating this how-to guide for customer journey mapping so we start with the basics of customer journey mapping and i guess has to be what what is it what is customer journey mapping Okay, so customer journey mapping is uh, it's a way of kind of creating a visual representation uh, of the experience that your customers go through and whether that's with your brand, your service or your product. Maybe the best way to think about it, I suppose, is a bit like a graph. So we always graphs and are there to make data easier to understand, easier to digest. So likewise, a customer journey map makes your customer's experience a bit easier to understand and a bit easier to digest. Okay, just like a visual representation of the customer's experience. Absolutely, yeah. So what is it used for? Who can use it and how do you use it? There are probably three kind of key reasons that a business might understand, undertake customer journey mapping. So the first one is, is around really helping the wider organization understand the processes that your customers go through. So this is helpful if you want to break down silos, help teams see the bigger picture, rather than sort of their part of it. Taking it down a stage is looking at it from your customer's point of view. So really helping to understand points of friction for your customers, perhaps understand processes they go through, the steps they go through, or poor experiences they have. And taking it down an even further step is really using it to identify areas of waste and duplication in your organization. So where are there perhaps unnecessary handoffs between your teams, delays that impact your customer, or, or duplications of effort or cost. Okay, so it's not just about necessarily improving the customer's experiences, also can be used to reduce costs within your business. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think reducing cost probably runs through a lot of it, I suppose, because because as you go through your customer journey mapping what you're trying to do is identify problems and make things easier for your customers if you make things easier for your customers you'll have fewer complaints you'll have greater loyalty you'll have more sales yeah all of that stuff which comes back to in the end of growing profit and driving revenue at your business that's it absolutely improving the bottom line who in a business would do this normally and is it limited to one team or one person that's a really good question i wouldn't necessarily say that one one person would do it specifically typically it might sit with your customer experience team whoever they are so you might have a customer experience manager, a chief customer officer, it may well sit with them. But there's nothing really to stop any kind of customer facing team from doing this. You know, whether you work in customer service, whether you work in sales, whether you work in operations, if you interact with customers, there's absolutely nothing to stop you from mapping out your customer journey and the customer, the journey that your customers who interact with your team will go through. Okay. Yeah, like, like you said, it's just a way of really visualizing and understanding something that can be kind of abstract. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, okay, I want to jump into then, like, how do we do this? For someone who is wanting to do that, to understand their, their customer journey and to make a map, how do you get started? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so there's, I would say there's kind of probably six steps that you want to go through when you're starting out in customer journey mapping. So the first one, and probably the most important, is define the objective. Define what it is that you want to do when you start out. Next, 
pick a single customer journey to start with, choose a customer persona, and we'll talk a little bit about what those are, select the mapping approach that you want to take. So whether that's really high level or really quite detailed, make sure you get the right people in the room. And then once you've done all of that, overlay your existing data on top. So that's the that's the six steps. That's the six steps, absolutely. We're definitely going to have to dig into each of those. So first one was defining the objective. Can you give us some examples of some of the objectives we could set for this? Yeah, and and like, like I said, this is probably you know this is probably the most important thing that you want to do when you start out with customer journey mapping. Otherwise, it's just I suppose it's just an exercise with no purpose. You really want to be able to get to the end of this this process and go right. This is what we were trying to set out to achieve, and here is the answer to the question. So at the start, I said okay, it's typically one of three things. So it's helping the business understand the customer experience and breaking down silos between your teams. So that's really helping everyone in the organisation understand the overarching customer experience so that's quite the quite a high level version taking it down a step is where you identify areas of friction for your customers so this might be challenges with your returns process this might be delays from your customers contacting you to reaching a resolution and then taking a further step down is helping identify duplication and waste in your processes so that could be where you've got, like i said like you've got unnecessary handoffs between your teams more time than is really necessary in certain steps and those are kind of those are what i would typically call the three key objectives so decide whether you want to help the business understand customer experience identify areas of friction for your customers or identify duplication waste in your processes and it also depends what role you're in so you know if this is i don't know if you're a chief customer officer perhaps what you want to do is actually help the business understand the entire customer journey or, or the entire customer experience throughout the pre-purchase, purchase and after sales process. Whereas if you're a department manager, you might want to be a lot more granular and look at where there are handoffs between your team and another team. So, so your personal kind of KPIs and can I use this? Absolutely, yeah. Can, could you do a map that overlaps and hits more than one of those objectives? So a map that includes all three. In theory, you could. I think you would find that if you try to map out the very high level one, which is helping the business understand the customer experience, you probably, in any sort of reasonable size organization, you will probably have hundreds of potential touch points in 10, 15 different departments. So if you tried to map that entire process at a customer friction level and handoffs between teams, you would end up with, with a customer journey map that was so big as to be unusable, I would say. So I wouldn't suggest doing all three at once you know potentially you can identify customer areas of friction and duplication in processes in one map but i wouldn't then try and fold that into a high level entire customer experience map okay yeah i think as part of that making it actionable is, is picking something within reason you've got to be pragmatic about this so at the end of the day the output has to be something that your teams can use and if they have to scroll for 15 minutes just to find the the bit of the, the map that's relevant to them then like i said probably not going to use it okay so the next step in the in the how-to guide was about you mentioned pick a single journey absolutely so that's about basically where do we focus this map on so and particularly i suppose if this is your first time having a go at customer journey mapping pick a single journey and maybe pick one that is simple and straightforward so a returns process for your customer for example so something that has a kind of really clearly defined start and end and that probably doesn't have too many steps in it so if you're starting out pick something quite simple just to, i guess we didn't exactly define what a journey is i think maybe we could really go simple and start <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely okay so so when we talk about a journey the, i suppose the best way to think about it is uh, a kind of maybe a clearly defined uh, set of steps that your customer will go through now whether that is at the high level that would be from 
consideration of your brand and your product through to post-purchase or if it was at a much more sort of confined level it might be I don't know if you're looking from a customer service team it might be the when the customer sends the email into your team to make a complaint through to the resolution of that complaint yeah that makes a lot of sense so in that point you said if you're just getting started you should pick a single journey uh, which makes a lot of sense start start easy without getting too complex too early what if someone is watching this and they've done uh, they've done a few of these before but this is more of a refresher for them okay so I think if you've got a bit more experience producing customer journey maps or you really want to sort of dive right in what i would say is try and identify try and have a look at your largest volume areas so that is perhaps by sales or by transactions or alternatively the process that you know generates the most friction for your customers or for your internal teams i think the best place to start is where it's going to have the biggest impact if you want to demonstrate the value of this to your organization and you want to dive right in pick somewhere that has really high volumes you know pick a a sales process for example you know if 80% of your sales come through a particular channel use that channel as your first customer journey map if you want to introduce this to your organization that's the way to do it you know pick, pick, pick a high volume customer journey identify some challenges in it and feed it back into the organization yeah and then and then once you're comfortable doing it so whether that's starting out with a simple one or you've got some experience once you're comfortable you can start to produce more maps and that's the point where you can start to combine them and start to demonstrate to the organization where they fit together and how a customer might travel through each of these different experiences. So there's some some part of like choosing a single journey, but then bringing multiple journeys into one. Yeah, absolutely. Or at least linking them together so people can understand how a customer might get from this journey through to this journey. Like I said, you wouldn't want to connect them all together in a never-ending customer experience, but but you can probably sort of link them up and help the organization understand why if they've gone through this experience, they might find themselves over here or in a different area. Okay, cool. Yeah, I like that. I think if I was just starting or doing the first journey map, I would want to make sure I knew the process and I've done it before I started going after the biggest impact one. So, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, so if you're a customer service manager, that's, and that's a perfect example. I think probably the first customer journey map I did was as a customer service manager, I wanted to map out multiple ways a customer could contact us. The time it took from receipt of that email or that tweet through to a resolution with the customer and possibly them returning to us either to say thank you or that they were still dissatisfied and then what happened from that point. So by mapping out kind of the multiple touch points and the time in between each touch point, it gave me a real good sense of how our customers were feeling about the experience, where there were points of friction and, and where it was fairly smooth. From there then, so you've chosen a single journey like one of those, how would you, do you need to focus that more? For example, you mentioned, I guess, choosing a particular type of customer. Yeah, absolutely. So this is about using customer personas. So I suppose for anyone watching who's not maybe totally sure what a customer persona is, customer persona is where you sort of take a, a representation of maybe the key traits of your audience. So for example, I work for Pret. So let's say um, one of the, our kind of our key customers is a busy professional. So she might be 35 to 45. Uh, she might live in the city and she might be prepared to pay more to save time and effort for herself. So that might be a customer persona and you'd give them a name. And what you would then do is have a think about how that customer persona would travel through the, the journey that you've just identified as the one that you want to focus on. How do you choose, are there, are there certain types of customers that are more valuable that you should focus on first or that you should do? In priority. I think that, that deserves a, a whole video on its own, I think. So, yeah, I mean, ideally, you again, so when we look at, when we talk going for the biggest volume area to start with for your, for your journey, you perhaps want to go with who's your most 
common customer as well or your most valuable customer so if you have customer personas already you will probably have an idea of which customers are likely to spend the most on your product or brand and that's probably the person that you want to pick for this first bit of customer journey mapping if you don't have existing customer personas you still probably have a good sense of the kind of customers that purchase your brand or purchase your products so what you want to do is put yourself in that person's shoes so if you know i don't know perhaps they're empty nesters for example and they're looking for a particular kind of product or a particular kind of experience you've got a rough sense of what that individual is looking for and you've got a rough sense of how they will travel through that customer journey so you might want to ask yourself what channels would they use are they more likely to call are they might more likely to use online channels what times of day will they perhaps interact with you and what is it that they need at each step so obviously in the past i worked in the travel industry so maybe a good example here would be uh, two customer personas might be customers who are looking for a family holiday versus customers who are looking Looking for a romantic couple's getaway and they're probably going to have very different approaches to what they want from that holiday i would certainly assume they would have different approaches from what they want for that holiday so a family perhaps someone someone booking from the family might be looking for more information they might want to be reassured that they're going to be in you know the rooms are going to be located close to each other that the hotel is going to be child safe that there's going to be adequate childcare facilities for example whereas a couple looking for a romantic getaway might want a child-free hotel they might want specific facilities they want a massage a spa and they might be looking to you know they might want to book online they might not want too much fuss whereas a family might well call because they can have that interactive back and forth with with one of your sales agents okay, right yeah if you are a different type of person then it's likely that you're going to want to interact with your business in a different way so yeah absolutely you, you, you can totally expect a gen z customer to interact with your organization differently to someone who's a, a baby boomer for example different people will have different needs when they contact your organization they're going to want to talk to you differently a customer booking a family holiday might be just as tech savvy as someone who wants to book a romantic getaway but they might want the reassurance of talking to someone to make sure they can ask all the questions and i suppose get the kind of the confidence they need to make that booking mm-hmm. that's hard and i think whoever's making that persona has to go into some depth in the research they do if you're going to base your maps off it yeah a lot of organizations will have customer personas certainly if you're a large organization with a good crm at your disposal it's likely that you'll have a customer persona like i said if you're just starting out on this or you're a smaller organization you probably still have a sense a good sense of who you're kind of core customer is and it's really just about putting yourself in their shoes and thinking right how do they like to talk to me when do they like to talk to me what are they likely to ask me what steps are they likely to want to need extra help in for example you can make some solid assumptions based on yeah yeah absolutely okay i think so we've done a lot of setting up for the the map the next step is what does the map look like how are you gonna create a map yeah the the map itself yeah absolutely at the start of this we kind of talked about the three objectives so whether that was our high level overview for the business um trying to break down silos and help everyone understand the steps your customers go through whether it's identifying friction points or waste and duplication so each of those kind of three core issues has probably a slightly different map if you were looking to kind of give your organization a a high level view of the business you don't want to dive down into masses of detail in your customer journey map you probably want to stick to kind of specific moments in the customer journey so that might be awareness of your product consideration information gathering purchase post-purchase behaviors so you might just want to split it into a few specific columns that give a general sense of how a customer travels through goes through that decision of kind of becoming aware of your organization through to purchase and post-purchase experience. If you want to identify customer friction points, you might use what's called a, a kind of a swim lane chart. 
or a swim lane journey map, which splits almost splits the customer experience into two parts. So the, the top will be what the customer sees and underneath will be what the organization sees. So the kind of the back office function. So you might have just a couple of points in the customer bit. For example, if we take right into a customer service department, there might just be send email and then receive response in the customer side of things. However, in the organization side of things, you might have a number of steps in between for investigation, for writing a response or getting a check or a bank transfer arranged for the customer. So that's kind of the, that's the bit where you want to identify friction points for your customers. So that's, that's the kind of map to use for that. So you can identify, you know, if you've got two customer contact points and 26 points underneath where your organization's doing something, there's probably a bit of friction there for the customer. It probably doesn't all happen in one day. So they're probably waiting for a bit of a period of time before they receive that. Yeah. And then the third slightly more detailed version is it's another kind of swim lane chart but this one would include a lane for each department so this is the the map you want to use when you want to understand where there are handoffs and potentially duplication of work so you'll still probably have that customer line on the top but then you might have the customer service team underneath so the customer would write to the customer service team but then the customer service team might forward it onto your operations team for investigation who might then forward it to your finance team to raise a check who might then forward it back to the customer service team in order that they can write the response and then send that on to the customer. Okay, so it really breaks it down by every single department. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, and again, like I said, that's the one where it's probably most useful to identify waste and duplication between your teams. It might turn out that you've got a handoff between your operations team and your customer service team three or four times potentially. And that's something that if you take that out, it's going to make it quicker for your customer and it's going to make it easier for those two teams. For example, if you work in a customer service team and, and, and probably anyone who's worked in customer service who's watching this will, will, will identify with this one and you've asked your team on the ground to confirm something that happened for example and they will come back to you with half the information you need at which point you'll then have to write back to them for clarity they'll come back to you again that can happen three or four times so if you map this out and you identify actually that's something that happens with reasonable frequency then okay right there's a point of friction there's a point of duplication what can we do as an organization to resolve that that's a really interesting example because if I was making the map, I'd do it, this is what happens, but I wouldn't have necessarily thought, no, this is what happens half the time and the mistakes happen the other <laughs> But that's a good clarification to to make. That's the real journey, not what's expected. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the the what's expected is is once you kind of get to the end of this and you've mapped out that as is, then the what's expected is the next point. Where is it that you want it to be? Yeah, and then and then helping those correct or getting the process in place to stop that or to meet yeah. patients. Okay, so the other other thing I was thinking there about is how do I make sure. If I'm in the customer services team, how do I make sure I don't miss other steps that are going on in other departments I'm not really sure of? How do you make sure you don't miss a key point in the map? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a nice segue onto the next bit, which was making sure that you get the right people in the room. And, and there was a good example. You said, oh, how would I know that 50% of the time that process doesn't work? And actually, this is where it's so, so important to get the right people from your organization in the room when you're mapping, mapping the process out. So first of all, as an individual watching this video, don't map your customer journey on your own. You're never going to cover all of the touch points, all of the possible permutations. You're not going to have a full view of how your customers experience the journey through your organization. So absolutely make sure that you bring in the right teams from the outset. In particular, frontline staff, 
So certainly don't exclude your frontline staff. They often have the best insights. So if you've ever stuck your head in a customer service team or gone to speak to your sales team, straight off the bat, they will be able to tell you three, four, five top customer issues that are frustrating every single day. You know, so make sure you've got some frontline staff in the room. Absolutely make sure you've got some executives too. You know, really good part of customer journey mapping is it sort of brings people together. It helps everyone in your organization understand where there are opportunities for improvement. Your executives may have a bit of a rose tinted view of how your customers experience your journey that your sales team and your customer service team can certainly talk them through and explain why that's perhaps not how it works and certainly include channel owners as well include your web team include your your sales team your the guys that run the phone system or run your booking tool make sure they're part of the process as well it, it can be tempting to sort of just have sort of frontline customer service staff as well or just executives but actually you know you probably want some of your web team in there because there's typically a lot of frustration with the web tools and the, the journey through your website for example it might be that you want to include some the people who run the telephony system because again there might be steps in that that drive your customers absolutely wild that your sales team will know all about okay makes sense it, it's so interconnected that you need to have all those people in the right room definitely and the other thing as well is bring them in early and make them a part of the experience so if this is the first time your organization trying customer journey mapping make sure that you get people in the room early on so they understand what it is that you're trying to achieve what the objectives are how you're planning to get there and what customer journey mapping is because if you can take them on that journey with you you will certainly make it easier to do this kind of exercise in future as well getting the, the actionability thing i think we're gonna we can talk about a bit more depth later but yeah getting the right people on board early getting making sure they have their say in it is a really important part of getting yeah absolutely in the end yeah because if you don't feel a part of it it's easy to dismiss the output isn't it whereas if you bring people along for the journey you help them understand what it is you're trying to achieve and they feel as they've had an input into it then you're much more likely to get traction and achieve the objectives that you set out to at the start of it there's, there seems to be as well if, if you tell them really like at the beginning what you're trying to achieve then you can actually get them on board with with helping you not miss anything as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like they said, get the executives on and the frontline staff. Do you find that most people are really open to that internally, just taking time to give you information and share their problems and that kind of thing? 100%. You know, <laughs> I don't think I've ever met someone who worked in customer service that doesn't want to tell you what the challenges are. Because let's face it, if you work in the customer service team or a sales team and your customers are always telling you the same thing and it takes up a big chunk of your day explaining the same thing over and over and over again, you're going to want to see that fixed. You know, they have the biggest incentive to be there and to be giving you good, accurate, useful information. You're somewhat kind of empowering those people as well. But like, yeah, let's get this solved. Tell me your biggest issue. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we've got the map. We've got the right people in the room. And I guess part of getting that in the room was getting the right data to, to understand or to create the map. But the sixth step was about getting data to support the map. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the last one was really about overlaying your data. So in all likelihood, if you're listening to this or if you're watching this video, there's a very good chance that you're already looking at some of the data that you have about your customer experience. And that's why you want to do a process like this. So once you've identified what map you want to use, the customer personas, and you've gone through and you've started to build that map with your teams, the next thing is, right, you've identified the steps, start overlaying the data that you already have on top of that. So this might be data like... Uh, net promoter scores, 
customer satisfaction scores, churn rates, response times, number of times a customer might have to contact you, number of first contact resolutions or percentage of first contact resolutions. So those are the kind of stats that you want to overlay. So if you identify that, okay, let's say in your high level journey that customers make a purchase and then 80% of them churn by month two, that's something that you want to overlay. That's something that's really important. That's something that breathes a bit of life into the map that you've just created. How kind of granular do you get with the data? Is it on every step in the map? Let's say you want to use MPS as your data source. How do you actually pull out specific data to each step in that map? Okay. Well, it really, I suppose it depends on what you collect at the moment. I would always advocate starting with what you've got initially. So if you collect MPS, that's great. Add it on there. If you collect customer satisfaction scores, that's great. Add them on there. If you collect first contact resolutions, again, great. Add them on there. What you should be able to do as you start adding more information, more data to it is identifying, okay, well, there may be some gaps here where we think there's a challenge, but we don't know enough about it. Great go and find out a bit more. Or you might go, actually, you know, these three steps we're not overly concerned about. We don't need masses of data there. If you're doing a really detailed plan, you're probably not going to need to data at every single step, for example. The handoffs, you might not need to put a bit of information on each of those handoffs, for example, but you might want to identify that overall those four steps take six days, seven days on average. If you find out like these four steps take like a month, you might want to start looking a bit like, what oh, is there one of them that's causing all of that? Or... Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you find that actually the Pareto principle, that 20% of your your steps cause 80% of your delay, then right, great. That's a good thing to identify. And that's that's why it's useful to overlay the data. I love that principle. Definitely. And there are some other really good, good ways to think about it as well. So, and I think this final data point is probably the most important one. This is, like I said, this is the one that kind of breathes a bit of life into the customer journey map. Up until this point, it's very functional. You've literally mapped out how a customer will go through your experience by overlaying the data. That is where you will bring people on board. This is where you'll get your teams and your colleagues to understand exactly what kind of experience the customers are having. So a couple of things to think about when you're looking at the data is, so Daniel Kahneman talks about the peak end rule. And this is sort of how humans experience processes, I suppose. And this is that humans tend to remember the peak part of an emotional experience and the end of that experience. So going back to holidays, I suppose. So holiday organization I used to work for sold what was called Santa's Lapland holidays. So these were trips to Lapland, typically quite short trips, two, three days. You go out to Lapland, you'd go on a reindeer ride, you'd go on a husky ride, you'd meet Santa's elves, and then you would have uh, a sit-down meeting with the big man himself. And then you spend a bit more time in Lapland and you'd come home. Now, the peak end rule applies to this in the sense that the peak moment so that moment of strongest emotion is of course when you see your kids sitting down talking to santa and sharing their christmas list with santa in lapland while it's snowing outside the window in this beautiful uh, wintry landscape so that's the peak emotional element and then the end is well for us it's that flight home so typically if we could ensure the santa meeting went perfectly and the flight home was as good as it could be then those customers would come off that experience having a wonderful time and absolutely raving about us we perhaps wouldn't matter if they was a delay for the husky or, uh, or the reindeer weren't really up to it that day or, or the elves weren't as jolly as they could be because the Santa experience, that peak emotional experience was wonderful and the flight home was went without it. Is that peak like typically the, the why behind why they went on holiday? Like they went for that, so that was the peak. Absolutely. If you want to see reindeers and, and husky, you don't necessarily need to fly out to Lapland for two days. There are probably other ways to do it. That, that holiday was all about seeing Santa in his home 
in Lapland while it was while there's two foot of snow outside the window. And so if you were to apply it to something else, have a think about what the emotional peak is in whatever your organisation is. So I don't know, perhaps it's the moment that something's installed. If it's in building works, for example, it's the moment that the building is finished and you hand over the keys. That's perhaps the peak emotional experience. And then the end of that is the final paperwork, for example. And as long as those two bits go without a hitch and they perhaps land on time, then you're going to get good feedback. Your customer's going to enjoy that experience. So relating that back to the customer journey map, it's like you need to, you should identify those, like the peak and the, the end. Identify and label your peak experience. The end is obviously fairly obvious, but, but really, kind of drill down speak to your customers try and understand what is the peak emotional element and peak doesn't necessarily mean most positive bit you know if you have a bad experience the peak i suppose is the is the negative peak and it's it's them having a bad time what part is it if there is a bit that affects customers emotionally worse than the positive experience they have well that's your peak actually and you need to go right well if they're having a bad experience here the rest of it doesn't matter so you just need to identify those and make sure if it's positive you nail it i guess and if it's negative you correct that very quick that's your priority yeah absolutely cool going back very slightly what if you don't have any of the sort of quantitative data like the yeah the the empirical studies that kind of thing and that's a really good question you're not always going to have perfect data for every journey you might not be able to split it out so if you're using a particular persona for example you might not actually be able to split out the data by that persona again this is probably an area where it's good to bring in some of your frontline staff and speak to your customers as well absolutely speak to your customers there's a great book called outside in which was produced by uh, a couple working for forester research and it says right there are kind of three key elements to customer experiences, all three kind of steps, the, the customer experience pyramid, if you like. And the bottom one is, does the experience meet your customer's needs? The second step is, is it easy? And the third step is, is it enjoyable? So even if you don't necessarily have data, you'll probably be able to say with a reasonable degree of accuracy, this step in the in the customer journey map is it meets customers' needs and it's easy. Or this step is easy, you know, it meets customers' needs, it's easy and it's enjoyable. Or actually this step doesn't meet customers' needs at all, in which case that's an obvious area of focus. Nice. So if you really want to simplify it, you can just say like it's kind of yes, no, maybe these points yeah so does it meet its needs is it easy is it enjoyable or red amber green and all the advice i've heard and this as well i mean it's a mix always of quantitative and qualitative evidence to bring it properly to life definitely and if you've got customer quotes for certain steps in your journey stick them on the top there's nothing there's nothing that makes it easier to sort of sell and it makes it easier for people to understand a bit of storytelling and if you if your customer's saying at this point i was hugely frustrated or at this point was wonderful when i met santa my kids eyes lit up great that is a wonderful quote stick it right in the middle stick it straight above that particular step yeah especially if you're never in touch with the customer if you are like say the finance team that's a great way to have the point driven home that this is impacting the customer in some way the way you're doing that yeah bring it to life absolutely and then i suppose the the last one and this one's probably where it gets the most technical i suppose is trying to understand and this is particularly for use where you've got kind of a multi-department journey and where you're trying to break down silos so this is really about looking about the, the probability of something going wrong so let's say let's take a holiday for example and your customers might go through i don't know let's say five steps they might look on the website they might then contact your sales center they might have some pre-departure documentation they'll have the holiday itself and then they'll have the post-holiday experience so that's five steps and probably five separate departments now let's say each of those departments monitors customer satisfaction and each of those teams has a 95 percent satisfaction rate. So 95% of the customers that experience that particular step have a good time with them. Now, if you ask any of the managers in those teams, 
they're going to say 95%, my customers are happy. But actually, if you work out the probability of each of those, each of those steps and the probability of something going wrong at each of those steps, by the time your customer has got to that fifth and final step, it's not a 5% chance that something's gone wrong. It ends up being almost a quarter, so 22.5% chance that something's gone wrong. So that is such an important step for showing your teams because like i said if you're sat in the customer service team and you say well 95 percent of my customers are pretty happy everyone feels pretty proud of that but actually if you go by the time they reach us 23 percent of our customers will have had a problem actually that's a challenge and and it's something that i've shown to teams before and they've gone wait hold on 25 percent 30 percent of our customers by the time they've got through to the end of their experience with us has had a has had at least one thing go wrong that's not good enough yeah absolutely so I think those are all really like really good points about making people listen and realize the value of this. But what is the, say we've done the map now, we've overlaid the data. What, what is next? What are you doing? Are you presenting it to the whole team? Are you going to everyone? Like what's, how do we make this happen? Yeah, absolutely. And this is really what I would say is go back to step one. Step one was define your objectives. So hopefully you'll have followed this in order and you'll have defined some objectives. So you'll know what, the reason you were doing that customer journey mapping was for. Were you doing it because you wanted your organization to have an understanding of your customer experiences and you wanted to break down silos? Were you doing it because you wanted to reduce friction for your customers? Were you doing it because you wanted to take out waste and duplication of effort? So revisit those objectives. You should The map in front of you should give you a good yes or no answer to most of those points. Can you see where the silos are? Can you see where there's duplication? Can you see where customers have weights or they have particular areas of friction if so right you've identified those issues then it's time to set up some working groups and work on what is it we can do to reduce this friction what is it we can do to reduce these handoffs and this duplication and that's where it's key to have those department execs involved absolutely yeah and it's why it's so important to have an, set your objectives from the outset because if you get to the end of it and you didn't set any objectives you're probably not going to know what you're supposed to do with your map okay. and you'll probably answer questions that you didn't have mm -hmm. Is there anything else in your experience that's been like a, a sort of blocker to change, to getting this stuff to happen in the end? I think the biggest challenge you'll have is if you don't bring people along on the journey. So if you only bring someone in right at the very end when you've created this beautiful map, you bring someone in, they go, that's not how it works. Or I don't think that's right. Invite that person from the outset, get them to come join the meetings, get them to work, step through the process with you. Brilliant. How, how early on in your career in CX did you do one of these for the first time? I suppose it kind of depends on the challenges you have in your organization. I mean, certainly for me, it was probably one of the first things I did when I started out with customer experience. Because if you're, and particularly if your customer experience team is new or your organization is new to thinking about customer experience, it's a great way to really set the scene and really kind of drill down and identify those spots that are challenging for your customers, that are challenging for your team members. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, Ed. It's been really insightful. Thank you, Ben.